Hey, it's another Thursday here out in, of course, where we are. Um, this is The Conversation, of course, Outspoken and Opinionated. My name is Edwin Maya. Um, today, of course, we have an amazing show. Um, you guys all know um, this is the month of May. And at The Conversation, we have decided to give the month of May to Black slash African women who are in politics. And so today my guest is um, Sivette Gibson, who is the, who was the mayor of the city of Pinesville in Monroeville, Liberia. She's a community and women empowerment advocate. I mean, she's done some amazing things. And so today we're just going to have a conversation with her, you know, to just understand what's going on, you know, women in politics and how this whole thing runs. For you guys who haven't, who uh, have not, I'll ask you all to go to Essence Studio to watch we're speaking because it's amazing. Um, there are some amazing black women. There's amazing women from Liberia who's been featured on that uh, episode. So you guys go ahead, uh, um, go ahead to the Essence Studios and check that out. Um, you know, someone had asked me why we decided to do uh, um, women in politics, a black woman in politics. Now, this is what I say. I think it's important for us to understand that this world or that world that they consider to be the um, world of the men is actually done. We have amazing women who are making it into politics. I mean, um, of course, our own Kamala Harris here and uh, um, in the United States. But then, of course, I always like to say this. The first elected female president, um, Madam Ellen Johnson, certainly from Liberia. And so that has happened. And for years, uh, I think we have we were not able to see women as active as they are now in politics. And so I think I'm hearing from someone who started in government, who did, um, who is working, who I would say went into politics um, would be an amazing start. Um, this month is going to be amazing women. Um, we have, of course, like I said today, Sivette Gibson. Um, next week is going to be another amazing young lady. The week after is going to be another amazing young lady. And then to end the month, we're going to have two people. We have a mother who is in politics, but then we also have a daughter. And her daughter is really going to give us the, uh, um, you know, her perspective of her mother being in politics and how it affected her positively, negatively. Um, it's just, it's a lot. And so we, you know, uh, we would just get to understand what life is all about when it comes to politics and all that good stuff. Um, everything is just moving. I think everything is moving with the lighting. I think women are ama making amazing strides in politics, um, in government. They're making amazing strides. Like I tell people, I think last year was a year of women, especially when it comes to the states. Um, if you look at uh, um, if you look at Congress now, you will see a lot of women. A lot of women are part of uh, part of it right now, and so it's just going to be so great. And so you guys, let us just, you know, make this thing happen. Um, I mean, the women, the women voice are important. I think like I was watching, like I said, I was watching the episode on Essence and someone said, you know, they've been, women have been speaking, but this is the time for us to listen. And so, you know, when we get uh, people who have been part of government or people who have, you know, ran for election or whatever time it is that they're doing when it comes to politics, we need to understand that, there is everything else, you know, a woman can do so much. And so that's why I wanted women who are part of politics to join us this month, to just give us their honest understanding of what's going on. 
And so, you know, um, we're trying, Sivetta's trying. She's going to be here, you guys. Just hold on. This is what happens. This is the internet. We're trying to get her in, but she's going to be here soon. So let's just have a conversation. You can put in some questions if you have it for me. Yes, the merchandise is available. If you want it, we can get it out to you. We have the mug. There you go. We have the shirt. We're going to be working on some other stuff. This is just sample. So if you like this, just let me know. But, you know, just a little sample here and there to make sure that things are working, but we are gonna make sure that everything is great. Everything is great. Um, you know, I'm just, you know, the conversation, let me take, tell you guys, let's have a conversation. The conversation really started because I wanted to do something that's, that I would say that is really not happening. I think I wanted to have conversation around subjects that people aren't talking about. And so, you know, I, I I love to talk. That's everybody know. But I think this platform is really to have a conversation where about topics that people really don't talk about. And so, uh, um, especially when it comes to like someone is saying being a powerful woman doesn't make you less of a woman. I think it doesn't. I don't think being a powerful woman makes you less of a woman. I think the fact of the matter is that I think when men see these powerful women getting into things that they consider as, you know, the 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 men's zone. I think they are in, intimidated because from time immemorial, we know that when women start something, they take it all the way to the end. And I think that is exactly what the situation is. But we all know that there are powerful women around the world that, have, that are doing some amazing things. And so, you know, uh, when women get into politics, I think it takes it to a different level. I think it takes it to the place where there are a lot of scrutiny that is involved. And I think we need to also look at the culture. Um, for us who are in, um, you know, for us who are from Africa, it's a totally different thing. I think, you know, uh, um, it's important for women to, it's important for little girls to see, you know, these amazing women who are a part of, History, I think, especially when it comes to politics, I think just the structure of a woman, I just not structure, I'm sorry, lack of a better word, but I just think the position of a woman, I think that nurturing spirit and that spirit of getting things done and looking forward, I think it just breaks a different, um, it brings up a different uh, uh, understanding when it comes to politics. I think because of so many years where men actually has taken this thing and ran with it, we are seeing a different shift. And I think like I was thinking about, okay, so, you know, as a president, as a female, are they going to start bringing claws in where, you know, they talk about, you know, maternity leave or they talk about, you know, all this kind of stuff that needs to be included into policies because, hey, um, when these women um, get in, there are things that we are seeing. Uh, I think women are going to be, they're going to be younger and younger women getting involved in certain things. And I don't think there should be certain age limit. I don't think um, women should be restricted to anything. I think they should have the opportunity to go ex to do exactly what they want to do. And so, you know, this is what it is. Um, let's talk about some strong black women in our lives. I think someone says, so So I have some examples of strong women in your life. I think for me, one of the strongest women in my life is my mom. I think my mom, um, she's worked hard. I think she's done a lot in her life that has made me to understand the strength of a woman. I think um, the only example of a strong black woman, a strong African woman is my mom. And then, of course, there are other women who have been in my life. There are other women who have, you know, imparted my life um, that have made me to understand the strength of a woman. I think um, when you grow up around women who dare to be different and women who are, I mean, they're just great. 
Um, like I always say, like I have an aunt um, who is superwoman. My aunt Miriam is a superwoman. The things that I've seen her doing, coming to America and being a part of her household and see what she's done, it's like I can't, nobody else can explain it to me. But you know, um, it's a lot. It's a lot for us to, you know, for a lot for us to do. There are a lot of things out here that women can do. There are a lot of things. I think everything that a man can do, a woman can do. And I think that's why I can't wait to get Sivette to join because I think we really because she also was a member of Ellen Johnson's um, government. And so she can give us understanding of, you know, how it is to work in a female leadership. Um, I think she's back again. Are you, can you hear me? How are you? How are you? Great, great. Yeah, she is. I told you guys we're going to do this because <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. But guys, this is what it is. You know, this is a live show. Stuff happens. Sivet, I'm so glad to have you on the show. Oh, um, thank you. Your voice is important. So your voice is the most important thing. So even if we can see your face, your voice is the most important thing. <laughs> uh, welcome to the conversation. Um, I was telling those who are watching the audience, you know, this is this month is a month that we decided to just talk to women who have participated, who, I can say, be in politics. Because for me, I'm like, if you work for the government, you are in politics, because there are a lot of policies, procedures that you have to do. And I was just telling them, like, the fact that you worked with um, Madam Salif in her government, you can give us an understanding of what it is to work in a, a, a government with a female leader. So since I, you're here, we are going straight in. I want to ask you, how are you doing? I am well. I am great. Thank you very much. Blessed and highly favored. Okay, good. So, so physically and mentally, you're blessed and highly favored. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and when you're right. right. That's it. That's it. That's what we're going to do. But so let me just, so I'm going to go. So when we, when me and my team talk about getting you, somebody said, you know what? You need to watch her, uh, her interview with Baku. Last week I had Baku on the show. And so I went to watch it and I needed to, that's the first question I want to ask you. You need to explain to us. Because when I look at your Instagram, I'm like, this is the real lady. So how did you work in the mines? Oh, God. Before we go to politics, I need you Before to you get into politics. The how did you do that? <laughs> Actually, I loved it. I love being, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm multidimensional. I don't have one dimension. So I have the ability to do a lot of different things. And I come from a line of women that just... I mean, uh, you know, it's just an unusual stock. Strong women. I stand on the shoulder of very strong women. So I knew going into mining was something that would be exciting and something that will prove to be um, financially resourceful. Um, so I initially went into the mines. Believe it or not, women were not allowed in the mines in our country. Yes. In Sino, I was the first woman to go into the mine. I couldn't believe it. Because I said, if I'm investing tens and thousands of dollars inside in mine. How? And I'll go there to see what happened to my money. Exactly. Not possible. No. <laughs> come and relax. Man, come out and tell me what happened with my money. What happened with my money? I don't think so. I don't think so. So it was very, it was, I mean, it was very difficult. Um, it required me to adjust a great deal because you can imagine when you go into the mine, you don't have any shelter. You don't have any housing. You're living from, you know, from God to man, really. So I had yeah. to go in and get tents. Initially, we had to build some sort of structure, but then we had to do tents. And then, you know, you have our wild animals around because I was very close to the Sapo Regional Park at that. Um, so you had, yes, and that's one of ours in the country where um, our, our animals are considered to be endangered species. 
So the residents in, in Sino, they do not kill those animals to consume them. They just allow them to grow and grow and grow. So we had animals that were unusually large, if I must say, in which we resided with. So, but I, I will tell you, it was it was exciting. It was a, a heck of an event, and I would not trade it for anything. I would not amazing. trade it for anything. Amazing, but you know, I think for me, it's like okay, she was in my spot. You know what? You have done some amazing things, and I think what happens is this is what I was saying earlier. I think women don't put themselves out there that they're supposed to, and so I just girl, you got Wikipedia. Did you know that? <laughs> I was informed. Someone you have a, I, I Google. I'm like, Shh. so when you get Wikipedia, you're the you, you're the big you're a big deal. Edward, you so are right. they didn't know you have Wikipedia. So I just want to be the first person you know to say you got Wikipedia. But you know what? I just want to uh, um talk about you know we you know watching your interview, just following you on Instagram, following you on social media. You know you did um you worked with two amazing women. And I don't know if people can understand like the power that comes with that. But you um you, you were part of MCC, you then you went, you became city mayor of Painesville, and you did your little thing. But I just want to talk about your tenure while you were in MCC before you went to PCC. How did that happen? Well, uh, you know, Mary Bro is someone who's been like a mother to me from the age of 14. So I've known her for most of my life. And actually I was, Intermere was at, um, and I call her Intermere, I'm sorry, but that's what I, you know, mm -hmm. my terms of endearment. But um, Intermere, one day she was on, she was driving to Passport. She was working, she was the Passport director at that time. Yeah. And she was yelling at some guy on the pen, pen. At that time I was into mining. And she, I, I went, you know, I said, Intermere, and she said, yeah, I'm dealing with him. She said, because when I become city mayor, I will mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just like, okay, all right, city mayor, you know, do this, nice to see you. Anyway, I was in Sino, I was in the mine at the time when the um, announcement that she was mayor. So I came back to Moravia, of course, to see about other things. And I was on my way out of the country to actually go and, um, and submit my convention so I could get paid. And so I stopped at um, at MCC and I came upstairs and I entered the and went upstairs to her office area and she saw me in the corridor. He said, what are you doing here? And I said, Mary, I just came to congratulations, you know, blah, 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 blah. She's like, oh yeah, oh, this is, you know, I'm here. This is. So he said, come in my office. So I went into her office and she started telling me about, you know, her vision for the Moravia City Corporation. And she hadn't been there, I think even about three days or something. But she was telling me about her vision and about the staff, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I said, wow, that's amazing. So she said, um, she said, well, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but, you know, um, what's the chance? Just stop by. So I said, well, I'm leaving the country in a couple of days, but I'll come by. I came by the next day, just popping in, you know, this is the next thing I knew. It's a Mary and I were working full-fledged in the office. Like, literally, I don't know, I acquired a desk. This is this, but I started working as a volunteer. I said, oh, okay, I will help you, but you know, I'm I'm not in um, I'm not in the country that much. You know, I'm not in the city as well. You know, I'm inside now. I'm doing my mining. The bottom line is that we started working. I would come in like maybe two hours a day, three hours a day, until it ended up being fourteen hour days. 
and you know, and just rolling out the vision of the Moravis City Corporation, um, working with the staff, building capacity in them, ensuring that we have transparency and accountability when it comes to the institution, ensuring that we have donors and our partners come on board and understand where we're trying to take the city corporation. I would tell you that that, um, that was a heck of a life experience because a lot of people that, you know, when you go into city corporations, especially me, that I was sitting at the helm of power. I was to some extent, but I'll tell you, I had to learn from the ground up. You had to learn where the cracks were in the system. You had to learn on where we had, where we lacked capacity, where we had staff that were inept, making sure that people were properly placed, making sure that can worked with us. I mean, it was a life-changing experience. And I'm very grateful that I had the opportunity to serve the people and the residents of the Morovia. And so you leave, and so you leave MCC and you become a city mayor for Painesville. And just for my little knowledge, I gather that you are the youngest female to be the city mayor of Beansville. Yes. Yes, that is true. So looking at that, so you left MCC and you go to Beansville, and I might be wrong, but I think most of Monrovia is situated in Beansville. Most of the people reside in that area of the country, of the That's city. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. Yes, Good. you're right. You're so right. now you move into that area where you have red lights and ERW Junction. Yes. And you have given this, when you are given this task, what did it come with? It came with $19 in Corpus. <laughs> <laughs> it came with $19 in Corpus and experience. That's, that's it. Wow. Yes. And I tell you, I remember when I, when I requested the bank statements and the statements came in, you know, I was floored. I said, what? This is insane. I mean, how is it that the entire city corporation has $19? It was actually $29 and they $10 for the statements. So we, we that's how we got reduced down. Hold on. <laughs> so you deduct that $10 just again? Yes. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. So, um, so that's what it came with. But I tell you, believe it or not, someone I love challenges. And I was for the challenge. I knew what and I would just say I was grateful to have um, a team that was committed as I I was at that time to ensure that the Painesville City Corporation came out of such destitute and darkness because um, when I got to the office, actually, I didn't even have a desk. Oh, I didn't have a desk. I didn't have a chair. I didn't have anything. There wasn't even a computer in the building. <laughs> oh, wow. So, and this was familiar territory me because when we got to the Moravis City Corporation, their environment was somewhat similar. Okay. Yes. So I knew what my challenges would be going into the Painesville City Corporation. So when I got there, I already had pretty much all of the tools that I needed to ensure that we turned the city corporation around. Wow. But I tell you, the challenge, it was something that I enjoyed and I, I just would not do it for anything. But I clearly remember that every time I would get to, and this is, this is, really the reason I, I accepted the post mm -hmm. and what encouraged me to go for that post was that every time we are at ELWA Junction, soon as we cross the gym, it always felt as though I entered a different country. Wow. It just didn't seem like I was, you know, in Monrovia, even though we weren't in Monrovia, but it's like the quota road stopped there. Yeah. There was just, you know, there were, um, what do you call it? A lot of street hawking taking place. 
lot of, you know, obstructions on the road and on the sidewalks. Um, what do you call it? Taxi ranks all over the place. It just, it just lacked systems. It just lacked order. And when I looked at it, I said, there is no God-given reason why we cannot succeed in this municipality. Why is it the residents should not receive the services that they should from the taxes in which they are paying? And most especially the businesses. Why is it that they should not receive the services that the city corporation should give them? Why is it that our residents should not have access to green spaces and clean water and electricity and roads? You know, all things come with municipal governance. Mm. policing, making sure that your communities are secure, making sure that your communities are clean. You know, there's so many things that city government does that people are unaware of, but I'm just pleased and I was honored actually to serve in that capacity and to change the lives of the residents city of Painesville. And I will tell you this, for someone who will go back home on a regular basis, I can tell you there was a major change before we used to go and then after you became city mayor. Cause I was like, I remember, of course, you know, we go, we're coming home three, two, three o'clock in the morning and those days where it's dark <laughs> on the road and you know where you're going. But, Cause I'm the person who drive when I go like there. And I remember coming back and I'm like, okay, there's something different. And so I think just, you know, just, just looking at the space being clean, um, you know, people aren't on the road in the middle of the road at the ERW Junction running in front of you and all that stuff just made a huge difference. And so you, uh, um, right now, you know, you, you after, of course, um, it's a, a um, presidential um, post. I believe you are, are you elected or are you, um, that the position, is it an elected position or is it an appointed position? Okay, the position I ran for, I ran for representative of district number nine. Oh, okay. Um, yes, which is Rovia. Mm -hmm. And um, that was, um, in, we did that December 8th, um, mm -hmm. 2020. And that was in the district of um, former representative. Unfortunately, she deceased, um, Muna Pelham Youngblood. Exactly. And um, unfortunately, we weren't successful in attaining the seat. Um, the seat was um, is being occupied um, presently by um, um, a CDC member by the name of Frank Foucault. Okay. And um, we're watching his work within um, District Number Nine um, mm -hmm. to ensure that our residents um, receive representation that they should. But I will still commend you because I remember when you, you know, you announced it. You know, it was on social media and everything. I remember for me, I thought it was a really short time. Mm -hmm. and everything and you guys are mobilizing and going ahead and doing everything that you were doing but what i want to understand someone asked a question why were your top three goals accomplished in your time to solidify your legacy to solidify my legacy where in painesville in painesville oh my first the first thing first thing on our agenda was sanitation okay yes Water and hygiene are paramount to one existence. So for me, though, I mean, that was that was the first thing that I had to deal with in the city of Pinsville was to ensure that we put in a waste collection system. Okay. Work with the World Bank and other partners, and also to go out and, and source funding for the city corporation. So waste management was my primary focus. After that, my second focus was to ensure that we... Uh, we reshuffled the city corporation. You know, when you go into city corporations, a lot of people don't know. People really think that there's only 
maybe two or three functioning um, um, departments within a city corporation, whereas they don't realize it runs from nine to about 13. So you have everything from environmental health to community services to city planning to your police to special projects. You have departments. So I had to go in there and restructure the city corporation, comes out, come out with terms of references, ensure people are properly within the city corporation so that they could work effectively. And so that we have some level of transparency and accountability when it came to the city corporation. The third thing was the taxation of the city corporation. Mm -hmm. So that the residents and the businesses whom were paying taxes could see where their taxes were going. So that they understood that they weren't they weren't receiving the taxes and mis misappropriating their funds. That clearly they were they were clearly defined on what their funds would be for, and they were beneficiaries of that money. Mm. Yes. Great, great. So now we're going to move into a different segment where we're really going to focus on women in politics. So we know we've tried to you know we learn who you are, what you've done, all the amazing things. Now I'm just gonna go straight into these questions. And so, like I said earlier, you are on Wikipedia. So I'm like, you know, I'm like real, I'm gonna say it again. But you know, um, last year at the General Assembly at the UN, majority of the head of states were men. Why mm -hmm. do you think it's still it's still an issue? And how can this change? Well, I mean, you mean why we why we lack like people? Why they, yeah, why aren't you know that why aren't more women stepping up? So being yeah. head of state, why aren't more women given the opportunity to lead? Well, women, there, there, there are quite a number of reasons why we lack female participation uh, mm -hmm. when it politics. Eh? It's everything from, you know, from violence, because, you know, there is a tendency when women are running for political positions, there's violence. They yes. attack the woman. I'm sure you saw that recently when it came to Botokana in Liberia, exactly. yes. in Bapalu that we literally had to go in and protect her, pull her out, and ensure that she won the seat, provided her with the financing and the moral support so that she got the seat in which she fought for. And that is where we did call let her, let, what was it, let her, let her take her seat and now mm -hmm. has been, has evolved to the Lapa revolution. Yeah. And that is something that's come out of that. But it's, 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 it's usually because of violence. Another issue is the woman has the ability to finance her campaign. Even though women, and, and when I talk about this in the Liberian context, in Liberian context, nine times out of ten, the men of the head of house is the head of the household. Mm -hmm. But when you look at it beyond that, women have difficulty attaining funds so that they are able to finance their campaign. The male counterpart, when he's out and he says that he's running for X, Y, Z, it doesn't matter if this selling. Slip off. Mm -hmm. His friends will gather around him and provide with the support that's needed so that he ascends to the seat. Whereas with women, it's a little bit more difficult because our roles are different in society. You understand? The yeah. woman doesn't have as much time out in the street as the man does. She gets the kids ready for school, she go to work. She can't the children can't She's taking care of the children. She's doing homework. She's washing clothes. She's cooking dinner. She's doing... What time is she going to find to go out and campaign for those resources that she needs to run for that position? Another thing that affects women is the fact that political parties are usually led. The political leaders are usually men. Okay. And men usually automatically 
support other men. They don't support women. Then we have other things that are broader. You know, we have gender inequalities in our families. People feel that women should not be involved in politics, that they should be, lead, they should be, you know, remain in those. We have unnecessary scrutiny of, you know, our women, their private lives. The women are running for politics. Yeah. They talk about all sorts of things. Look at the way the woman dress. Is she married or is, is she not? And these are things that literally I have been through myself. Mm -hmm. You marry or you're not married? Do you have children? And if you have children, marry, what time are you going to find to deal with politics when you have to be home taking care of the household? Wow. I mean, it's, it, believe it or not, this also happens in great United States and Europe as well. Exactly. That's why you see there's little, yeah, female participation in politics, but we have to put instruments in place to ensure that we have female participation in politics. So, you know, uh, researching you, we realized that you have been advocating for women. But um, what what made you to start this? Um, what you what made you feel compelled to advocate for the greater pop, pop political participation of women? And how do you see your role as a woman advocate in changing the status quo? Well, the first thing is that, you know, uh, I mean, out of everything that I am, the I am is woman. Mm -hmm. And I see the challenges our women go through that, you know, that are bidding for participation in politics. And with um, one, um, the roles that I've placed in uh, government and my access. And also, like I stated to you, you know, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate come from a, line, a long line of women um, who are very strong and who have, you know, um, allow me to become who I am and have built me um, in this particular way. Ooh. I'm sorry, I lost you there for a second. Yeah, I'm going to bring back. Yes. <laughs> sorry. Um, we understand my strengths. And yes. Look at our women in our society. And look, women have always been the forefront of politics. I mean, we have had strong women in leadership position in our country. Mm -hmm. We've had the first female president on the continent, but let's go beyond that. We have Angie Brooks Randolph. Yep. We had M Emma Shannon Walter. We have had women from the beginning of time that have been in leadership. So there's no reason why I do not feel that there's a need for me to stand up today, considering the roles that I have played in our political arena, to say that we are going to pull as many women along as we can. And that is my position right now. We are going to ensure that we have female participation in politics. We are going to ensure that other political parties in the Republic, much like, I don't know if you're Liberty Party, mm -hmm. we have established a policy to that we have 50-50 gender parity within the Liberty Party when it comes to women participation. Amazing. So it is, our, it is my responsibility and is the responsibility of other women to ensure that we have a seat at the table for women in the Republic of Liberia. Because if we don't, that means that we are not represented. And the first thing I am is woman, and I will sure that women are represented in every way, shape, and form in our country. Awesome. So you had an opportunity to work with two strong women, Madam Salif and, of course, Mary Bro. What did you learn about women in leadership? Well, I, I learned that women lead differently. Um, no. I, and it's unfortunate to say, because you're, <laughs> I'm being interviewed by a man, <laughs> and I have brothers and other. It's okay. <laughs> women, uh, you know, men, men lead for the short term. 
Okay. I think the vision is very firm. Women lead for the long term, meaning that the vision is long term. It is not short term. Everything that a woman does is calculated and it is thought before she proceeds. Mm-hmm. She wants to make sure that all of her ducks are in the row and to ensure that if there is anybody that is negatively affected by anything, that she finds a way to prevent that from taking place. Exactly. Men lead like that. They lead differently. And so I learned quite a bit. I mean, it's my interaction with Madam Bro, and I learned extensively from then when I got with Madam Salif, you know, who a heck of uh, um, an economist and a strategist. I learned a deal of things from her as well. But one of the things that I did learn is that women, we lead differently. We lead differently. We lead for longevity. It's not short term. We're not thinking about ourselves. I remember one of the things that I always said, you know, during our administration was that when it came to services that I believe women should have been placed in those positions. I'm talking about places like LEC, water and sewage, um, telecommunications. We'll ensure that we have those services because when we go home, we want to make sure that our have electricity so they can do their homework. So our children can watch TV. And it's not just our children, but it is the masses. So not that it's just says sitting in the city center, but also that it reaches the hinterlands, that we have water for our children to take bath and for us to wash our clothes. You know what I mean? Yeah, those are our primary focus. Whereas from the male perspective, if the man he got LCI horse and he not going home, he will buy a generator for his girlfriend. And it's so this is why I love this show. What a whole family darkness. He got water at us, he got problems, he will put politics at a girlfriend horse. Am I lying? Somebody, somewhere, somebody got a little here. <laughs> you see, you see. Whereas the woman will make sure that everybody, including the girlfriend, has water and current. <laughs> so that's the difference in female leadership. I like that. But you know, I think we're moving to a time, you know, where everybody's talking about you know young women. But why do you think the role of a young woman in politics is so important? Well, because we have so many. Look. We, 58% of our population are women. 78% mm -hmm. of our population are young people. The numbers are clear. That we must set examples for our young people. We must set examples for our young girls. We must set examples for our elders. I'm talking about even the ones that are older than me and you that are still having children to ensure that the girls, their daughters, their nieces go to school. Because believe it or not, in our society, we still marginalize young girls and force them to stay in the homes and send the young boys to school. Mm -hmm. It is important that we have this dialogue. It is important that we go from house to house and door to door to let them know that, please, you deserve to go to school. You let get to school, get out and go to school. Tell your mind you won't go to school. And if the mother does not have the ability, let's just say it's a single mother who has lost the, you know, the father thing. As the women is our responsibility to find some way to empower that woman to ensure that that girl to go to school because she's going to lift her mother out of poverty. It is our responsibility to do so. Give our children more to strive for, to mm. give them more and more dreams. Not for us to talk to our daughters and talk to our sons and ask them what you want to be when you grow up and you say, I want to work for government. Why you want to work for government or eat my own? No. 
There's more to life than that. Say you want to grow so that you become a doctor, a lawyer, a, you know what I mean? An engineer, accountant, something to control, to contribute to your national quota, not a way to strip your nation. Okay. I want to go let, I want to go um, extremely personal because I think um, most often Liberian women are seen as more progressive, free than other African nations. Do you think that freedom to be involved has resulted in the positive outcomes in the political posts they have occupied? I'm sorry, do I think freedom has... Do you think that freedom to be involved has resulted in the positive outcomes in the political posts they have occupied? Women? Yeah, women, because I think in Liberia, they're, uh, um, they're, with Liberian women are more progressive. And mm -hmm. I think that when it comes to Africa, Liberian women are more progressive. So do you think there's some sort of freedom to be involved that has resulted in this, you know, Liberian, a lot of Liberian women are getting into politics and all that yes. stuff? Yes, and I, I think Madame Salif has also laid the premise for that. Oh, that's what she's done for us. She's, she's allowed us to know that women can ascend to the highest position in our country. Look, you know, you know, with all of the, all of the things Yemi talking about, you know, that yes, we, we aren't, we're not getting the participation that we want. We mm -hmm. don't have full gender parity. You know, we, we, I don't know if you know in the House, requesting 30% gender parity, which I thought was absolutely absurd because that is something one of our partners brought to us. I think that if we have 50% population of women, 50% of the House should be... Agree. Nothing less. But the fact is that Liberian women, believe it or not, we've always had support of men to some extent who were able to have people like Emma Shannon Walter, C. Leona Chesson, Angie Randall Brooks, you know, so many women that have come, they've seen, they've done for us, and they're gone. And some of them are still around. But with that said, Liberian women are weak. We are different. We believe in ourselves. And the fact that we believe in ourselves and Madam Salih laid the premise for ascend to the highest seat in the country, yes, I do agree. I do agree. So, you know... Um that I want to focus on Africa, but I really want to be exact when it comes to Liberia. What kind of initiatives are in place to empower women in politics? And what more do you think is needed? Well, like the revolution is one of them. Mm -hmm. The Lapa revolution, what we've done thus far and what we're gearing towards is 23. Okay. The Lapa revolution is an organization founded by women from various backgrounds. Um, who came, who were forthcoming when it came to the situation with Edith, um, Boto, and Grace, which okay. were three women that ran for editorial positions in Liberia and had difficulties primarily because they were women. And mm -hmm. what we resolved is we need to ensure that we provide our women with all of the support necessary to ascend to the positions in which they are campaigning to. So the Lapa Revolution has said, okay, we're not only going to provide these people with more support, our women with more support, but we're also going to ensure that we provide them with financial support. We're going to go into their various districts, ever, and campaign with them to ensure that we have gender parity when it comes to the house. So that's one of the first that we're working on. That's the immediate that we're working on. Then we'll also work on women to ensure that they have the capacity when they get in these, like, Boto's situation, Boto is a meat seller, but Boto is educated. 
Goto can sit in there and she can debate issues and issues in which she cannot debate or where she finds difficulty in. Women like us and other women we are going to step into the gap to ensure that she has the platform that's needed for her to speak for Liberia and also for her constituents. Mm. That's the immediate thing we're doing. Beyond that, I go back to the fact that we must ensure that the girl child goes to school. Mm. Education is important. Education builds confidence. If a girl is not educated, she's not going to be forthcoming when it comes to politics. She's not going to be forthcoming when it comes to positions. She's not even going to be forthcoming when it comes to clubs in her school. So we must educate the girl child. There are many of us that are providing scholarships for girls and boys, but we are making our primary focus at present to ensure that we educate as many girls as we can. They say you educate a girl child, you educate a nation. And that is what we're working on right now. And that's amazing because I think um, we're, I have one sister. And so, you know, we have some issues where, you know, when we are talking, she, I can see the little bit of intimidation. And so we mm -hmm. I call her on the side and say, no, 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 no. When we're making, when we're making decisions about our parents and what we need to do for them, I need you to speak up. Yes. I said, I don't want you to ever leave the conversation feel that because you are a woman, you didn't, you couldn't say what you wanted to say. And yes. so we made, and I made that pack. I said, whenever you feel that way, you need to hold me accountable. So I'm oh, the wow. who's among this, among us. As go, you're going to say, hey, I need to say something, and you guys didn't get my. Let me get my point across. And I think with that, I think that's an opportunity to give her so she can understand it. Imparting her daughter to let her know that uh, you got to sit at the table. Yes, yes. You have to sit at the table, and I think that is across the board. And talking about that, I think you probably touched on it a little bit, but I'm going to bring it up. I think most often right now, because of the influx of, you know, the U.S. has a female vice president, we had a uh, we had a, 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 a pres female president, now we have a female vice president. I think now parents are targeting and talking to the girls about being president. What about really, really focusing on the daughters in, to get him to, to, to change policy, to change legislation, um, to be in the Senate, to be in a representative? Um, how can we really tackle that? To have the discussion about getting in the Senate and being yeah, a representative. Of, I think right now it's like, you know, Ellen Johnson was a president, so I can be a president. But I'm like, yes, you can be a president, but what about changing policies? Because yeah. I feel like the whole rape issue in Africa and the inequality when it comes to women, there's a legislation like, you know, like polygamy, all those stuff, there's a legislation that can be changed that women need to step up because I have realized that for something, for when you take issues to parliament or when you take issues to to policy leaders, you need to represent that issue. So if I go there and I'm talking about um, gender equality, they're looking at me like, okay, you do. But when a woman come and explain her issues and what has affected her, it makes it more understandable. I yes. might be wrong, but what do you think? No, I agree. And no, it, and, and not that, that it just makes it more understandable, but you speaking on it is also very important. I want to start from the end and go back you know, to the beginning. It's important because you are what we call a he for she. It's important that we have you in the room. It's important that we have you on the floor. It's important that you are raising these issues because then the, it gives the men the clear understanding that it's coming from a male perspective instead of just a woman's perspective. Because it gets to the point where, where men hear women talking, then they just hear wah, wah, wah. Then when she would not stop talking, oh, then she's talking about women issues. 
No, when it comes from a male, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference. You know, and when it comes to us having this conversation um, with our daughters, not just going for the presidency, but going for other, um, um, you know, other positions as well. That's something that I think that I think that everyone should be doing because you just don't ascend to presidency. It doesn't just happen overnight. Like there's, you, you have to take steps on the ladder. You know, for me to become, um, what do you call it? Deputy mayor to mayor of Brew, I took steps. It gradually took for me to become mayor of Peaceville, it took steps. It, you know, I had to I had to gain knowledge. I had to gain experience. I just didn't ascend to the position. So we have to let our daughters know that we're going to have to go through the ranks to ascend to this position. Everyone isn't favored to become president immediately. And Madam Salif was not favored to become president immediately. She, it was three tries. That's when she yeah. became president. And if yeah. you look at it, the record shows that something about our continent that usually it takes people two to times to become president in every in any country so wow. you know let's you know let's you know let's look at the drawing board and see that you just can't ascend to the position when he's about you know putting policies into place i completely agree with you i completely agree with you we must put policies into place national policies to govern women govern men to govern the way that we are going to ensure that we have gender parity in our country. If we don't have these policies in place, we're wasting our time. Mm -hmm. Again, I will go back to Liberty Party again. We have done what is necessary to ensure that we have full female participation in our party. We pray that other political parties follow suit and do the same. And the, you know, the, I, I, again, I will go back to education. Education, 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 education is everything. Education is everything. And you talk about education, and I, I'm not sure if you are aware of something that just happened, but I know a couple of days ago, somebody sent me some videos about this new, I believe it's a, it's supposed to be a reality show that's going on in Liberia. And the videos were a lot of, it was like three girls that they were asking these dumb questions. The interviewer were asking questions that didn't make sense. And this girl, they made fool out of them. And it really hurt me because I'm just mm. like, the, the couple of people who send it were women. And they were laughing. Mm. And I'm like, okay, you're a woman. This is a video that is being made fun of, of another woman. And there is another man who's asking this question. Did you realize that yet again, this is another opportunity for a man to make a woman feel less than? And so maybe the way I think is wrong, but I really want to have a conversation with you about this, where I have realized that most often when it comes to social media and everything, women are the first to tear other women down. Have you experienced that? I have. I have actually experienced that. And frankly speaking, I don't condone it. I don't condone it and neither do I participate in it. If anything, you know, the women who actually sent you whatever footage it is, and, and I'm sure nine times out of 10, they were probably the same age or older than those young ladies. They should have, you know, tried to reach out to them and let them know that, you know, this is the way you go about answering these questions and provide them with some sort of this. I feel that, you know, they're, they're just, it, it's hard to done that. They shouldn't have done this inappropriate because I would tell you, men don't do it to other men. No, they don't do it to other men. They would actually pat that male on the back and say, "Bravo, you answered that question good." That's what they would do. 
They won't do it to other men. So, you know, our we just have to learn how to stick together. You know, oftentimes it's so unfortunate that I hear it from men that, you know, the reason why we are often unsuccessful as women don't stick together. Mm. And now as librarian mm. women, I think that we have shown that we have the ability to do that from um, what do you call it? The Lapa revolution. And I pray to God that we continue to keep, you know, keep ourselves binded together and change our country and ensure that we go in the direction that's needed. And, you know, I think you did talk about this earlier, but, you know, like I was saying, you know, we normally have conversation. I have conversation with my friends and we're talking about, you know, women in politics, especially about when it really comes to Africa. Um, we have seen that women who have strived and worked hard to do what they're supposed to do as politicians, they're literally looked down upon. And so can you give us any example or anything that happened to you when you were running for office and where you walked into a room or you felt a certain way because you were a woman? You know, is I, I will tell you, um, I have only experienced that once in my life. And I mean, uh, and it was, it was, it was direct. It wasn't even in that because I've never walked into a room and felt inferior. Mm-hmm to my male counterparts, never, you know, I just, I don't, I, I, I don't think that they know more than me. I, I mean, they're not more knowledgeable. It's not because they're masculine. There's no reason I, there's no reason why I should feel inferior. I've just never felt that way. I'll tell you that I've been verbally um, insulted by a man, which I found to be insulting because I had a man come to my office one day. I was in a meeting with somebody else and um, it was actually, it was a representative. Um, he came wow. into my office about 30 minutes later. And I said, I'm sorry. You know, I, I had a partner in my office, a donor. And so I had a donor here, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm sorry for, you know, for seeing you so late. This is, and he said, oh, he said, what's this? Since you made me sit down here and wait this time, go inside your ice box and give me water. To Excuse me? And that was the end of the conversation. I said, this is where it ends. Because you have to let them know that this is not, it's not that sort of playing field. This is a level playing field that we're on here. I'm not your, you know, your, your maid. I'm not your nice or something for you to speak to me in that manner. And you've lost your opportunity to speak to me on whatever matter it is that you've been here for. But the bottom line is that I've, that's the only time that I felt in any sort of way. But I've never walked into there and felt, you know, inferior to my counterparts. I see, you know, I like the fact that you continue to stress Africa, Africa, Africa. I don't know if you look at our continent, you will see that Rwanda is number one when it comes to female participation in politics. Exactly. And Paul, Paul Kagame has done exceptionally well when it comes to that. You know, they exceptionally well. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that countries that are post-conflict usually have higher female participation in politics than other countries. And the reason why is because the system, the system is being rebuilt and you have more women at the table and they understand the strength of women. They understand that women know how to govern. They understand that women know how to participate in politics. Paul Kagame has done exceptionally well when it comes to that. 61% of the women in the political arena in, in Rwanda. That is something to speak of. Whereas in Liberia, it's horrible. Going backwards from where we once were. We're currently, today we're at 9%. Nine percent female participation in in our country. Wow! As we were once at eleven. In the cabinet, our cabinet, there are twenty one seats. We yeah. only have three that are occupied by women. 
the House of Representatives, 73 seats. As far as I'm, I know, I think we have only eight that are occupied by women. The Senate, 30 seats. We only have two that are occupied by women. We're in trouble. Oh, that big trouble. Yeah, not that we are just, we just don't have participation. We're not represented in any way, shape, and form. And that is where I go in to say you, for someone who have, you know, you've done all you can do. What is it that someone out there who's listening to us and who's watching us, who's a librarian, what can we do to make sure that women are, there are 50% women and 50% men within parliaments, within the, in uh, elected seats, whatever it is, how can we do that? The first thing you do is whatever political party you belong to, make sure that there's a quota set for women. Mm. That's the first thing. If you do not have a quota set for women, that means that you're not looking for female participation. You're looking for women to scramble for a seat table. Let us know that you're set a quota for women. And when you set that quota for women, that quota met. What am I saying? In political parties, all your candidates that you have, ensure that 50% of your women, 50% of your candidates are women, 50% are men. You will be sure that women will be represented because you've already shown that negatively that you have 50% participation in women. That's the first thing. The second thing, again, I will you know, go back to education. Even though it's important. Pardon? I say it's important. It is important. It is important. It is important. Our educational system is inferior. We do have grave issues. But the fact is that regardless of that, we must educate our girl child. Yes. It is important for us to do that. And when a woman asks you for support, support her. Mm -hmm. Support her. You can support more than one candidate, my people. You don't have to be on one candidate. No. Support her. If you can support her financially, support her, but support that woman because you come from woman. That is the beginning of everything. Mm. Now that's and that's a that's a lot, that's a tagline right there. Support a woman because you come from a woman. Yes, you come from a woman. Without yes. a woman, you wouldn't be here because no. you can come out of. So you know, come in, I don't do that because then we can go do a, do a whole. <laughs> see, I will, I will keep it clean. Keep it clean. I will try to leave that conversation alone for another day. <laughs> But no, um, oh, oh God! But you know, I mean, you know, prime example in Ethiopia. I don't know if you know Ethiopia. In two years, they increased political representation by thirty percent, and women in Africa long, long rich history. My brother, long rich history, political activism in different forms. Yes, from pre-colonial to colonial and post-colonial times. So women should know their place in society. Stand up advance and be recognized you have the ability you have the capacity move forth and change our country and change our continent in the direction in which you need for see it go not only for yourself but for your children you are not living for yourself you are living for your children as well get up end up and do something for your for the greater good well this has been a conversation and so i'm gonna ask you the last question what's next for the honorable most eloquent, outspoken Sivet Gibson. What's next? Well, we will continue to have, you know, um, um, continue to, act, you know, to participate in politics. Um, okay. Ensure we advocate for our women. Um, ensure that we advocate for children. 
and make sure that Liberia goes in the direction. Look, Edwin, for me, um, is uh, my life has always been that it's not about, especially in the political arena and serving my country and my people, that it's not about self-preservation, it is about national preservation. How is it that we can ensure that Liberia leapfrogs to the next stage? Because it's very necessary. Believe it or not, we are very far behind the other countries, our continent. And we must leap forward. We have no time to waste. So in whatever way, shape, and form I'm able to place our country on a platform in a positive life, light, I'm going to be there. Whatever I'm going to be there. 23, the women of Liberia are to be a force to work with. We are not going to sit down and we're going to be heads. We are going to take this country like the bull with the horns. Pull it in and make sure the Liberia moves forward. That's all. And I'm just excited that I will have the opportunity to serve our people in whatever way, shape, and form. But I want to tell you, look out for Sivet Gibson, whether if it's in the legislature, whether if it's in the Senate, whether it's in the executive, whether it's in the private sector. But I'm sure that Sivet Gibson is going to be here to make sure that Liberia progresses. I say thank you very much, Edwin, for the opportunity and may God bless our country. Look, and I told you guys, she was the real deal. I told them they were, they were they were they were playing with me. I told them I said, look, I don't hear this woman speak. This woman is the real deal. But Sivette Gibson, this was the conversation outspoken and opinionated. You were amazing. From us to you, we wish you God's blessing, everything Amen. that you do. May you succeed in everything. And we are behind you 100%. The conversation is on the road in December and we will be in Liberia. Awesome. So I'm 2023, I'm ready because I need to see my sisters out there. So I am ready yes. for whatever happens. Okay. <laughs> but this was amazing, amazing, amazing. We want to say thank you for honoring the invitation. Thank you for coming. This was great. And it's been an hour. And so I'm going to say good night. Everybody good have a great night. time. And is there anything you want to say to the people? I want to say thank you very much for, you know, for giving me the opportunity to speak on your platform. Um, you know, we need the diaspora to play their role when it comes to our country. We need the diaspora to talk to their people on the ground to let them know that, you know, these are the priorities in our country. And please make sure that you vote in this direction. I want for our people to understand that women's participation in politics is imperative for the growth of our nation and the education of our young girls. I say thank you very much again for the opportunity, and I look forward to serving our country as I am doing right now in any way, shape, and form. God bless you, Edwin. And that was the voice of Sivette Gibson. Have a good night.